Hello and welcome to our Monday Chatter Check-In. I'm Paige. I'm Anna. And as we mentioned this past week, we're so excited that this is our first kind of new format of the podcast. So we are going to be discussing art-related things that we did this past week. Yes. So to start off this new format of Monday Chatter Check-In, we will be talking about two exhibitions we saw at the Morgan Library. We saw a show on Betty Saar and one on David Hockney, and they were both really great. Do you have a preference for which one we should start talking about first? Let's start with the Betty Saar because that's what we saw first. first. Okay, cool. So the show is titled Call and Response, and I thought it was amazing. A little bit of background about this exhibition. Betty Saar is a Los Angeles-based artist who emerged in the 1960s as a major voice in American art. She's known best for analytical collages and assemblage sculptures that confront and reclaim racist images. Her imagery is drawn from popular culture, family history, and a wide range of spiritual traditions. Yes, and what I really liked about Call and Response specifically was that it was conceived in close consultation with Tsar, and it looks at the relationship between her finished work and the preliminary annotated sketches that she has made in small notebooks throughout her career. And I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the Morgan Library specializes in works on paper. So one of the reasons why the show is really great is because you can see her sketches, but also, which is like the works on paper part, obviously. But then the other part is like seeing the actual works. I love being able to see too and like really getting to see the process. Yes, it's so, so cool. And I really liked seeing the process of her works. My favorite work from the exhibit was titled Cream, and it's actually an abstract form of a family portrait. Mm-hmm. So the work is a collage, and the central element is a child's white dress. And then it's surrounded by photographs of Sar's relatives from her maternal side. And what was so interesting to me and why it like really sticks in my mind is that she had handprints of her youngest daughter, which were made when she was only a year old, like kind of surrounding both the photographs and the dress and like I think about me making handprint drawings like that when I was little and like mine are not in the museum that's just so sad I'm sorry but no same I have I know my grandma has a set of my handprints I made in like preschool at her house so yeah for sure I feel that but I thought it was kind of eerie I really liked it too I thought it was great but it was eerie like seeing the juxtaposition of the older photographs with like the baby hands right and then also Sar included her own handprint which really like solidified how young the child Mm -hmm. was and then the photos and the dress looked older so it was just really interesting yeah no it was so interesting I have two favorite works actually the first one just caught my attention because it's the first thing you see when you walk in and it's called a loss of innocence it's made up of a long white dress um with some lace and capped sleeves and it's hanging from a wood hanger that's suspended from wire and then under it is like a tiny chair that almost looks like a shrine it's um the shadows so the dress creates these shadows and the shadows are intentional which I didn't realize at the time I should have realized (laughs) but um I think what I, I really like this is because it puts into perspective how much work goes into planning an exhibition and how they had to like adjust the lights in the room for them to cast the shadows exactly the way so I wanted them to be cast and this idea of the shadows being a part of the work was also included in a few others from the same exhibit I love the shadows because even though the works are Mm three-dimensional on their own, it really makes you consider the space and like how the artist conceived the space. Yeah, exactly. It's so interesting to see the like thought process behind that. 
And then the second work I really liked and that I want to talk about is called Supreme Quality. And the work features a washboard and in front of it is a figurine of Aunt Jemima holding guns. And this work suggests the unending nature of the mammy's tasks. And it also has an inscription that says extreme times called for extreme heroines. And I love this work because it calls out the racist stereotypes that are deeply embedded in our culture. I grew up in Mexico and I was buying the pancake mix, the Aunt Jemima pancake mix, and I never knew what Aunt Jemima stood for until I was a lot older because in Mexico there's no talk of um, racism in America like we have our own set of problems there obviously and like no one talks about it so I just saw it as like oh the pancake mix but this work kind of reminded me of how educational art can be and how much we can grow from it and what Aunt Jemima really stands for so she's reclaiming that image and this Aunt Jemima storyline is so timely right now because over quarantine and because of the BLM movement Mm -hmm. there have been a lot of talks of removing and I think it was removed I think it was and it expanded to multiple products like at the grocery store Mm -hmm. which is so crazy because this is how deeply embedded racism is in American culture and just in our cultural world worldwide and it's so important to talk about and I love that art is a medium for it to be talked about so should we move on Yes, I think we're ready. Hockney's show is titled Drawing from Life and is one of the few exhibitions to investigate his drawing practice and focus on his portraits on paper. The exhibition traces his work from his time as a student and culminates with his iPad and iPhone drawings, which are displayed on screens in the middle of the room. So you're able to actually almost see the process. Yes, I loved being able to see the evolution of his works from like the really early drawings to the iPad. And I also really like that it's divided into sections based on sitters. So it's like his muse, Celia, his mother, his friend and um, curator, Gregory Evans, the master printer, Marie Spain, and his self-portraits. And he portrays these subjects over the years, which is just like a rare opportunity to view the ways in which his practice has evolved, but also how the subjects have changed. Like there are some pictures of his mom when she was really young and like now some pictures... Um, as she's older yeah Yeah. and I loved how it was so obvious that it was Mm -hmm. the same subject being done like 20 years apart like you can really tell Hockney is actually one of my favorite artists and at first I was really surprised to hear about his work being shown at the Morgan Library because for those who don't know the Morgan Library is an actual home that has been converted into a museum so it's very small Mm -hmm. there's not a ton of exhibition space available Mm -hmm. and I think when I think of Hockney and like what he's really known for is large scale paintings like are on display at the Tate in London or in 2017, a huge show was at the Met. I loved that show. But I think that these works, because they were drawings and just on a smaller scale, they were so perfectly suited for like a more intimate viewing space. Yeah, I agree. I actually went to a show at the Pompidou just also on Hockney. I think it was 2017 as well. And then I went to the Met show here in New York and both shows were lovely, but they were also very overwhelming. Lots of tourists and it just felt like I couldn't really get a look at the works. So I didn't learn that much about Hockney, but in this show I learned so much and it just felt like a more personal experience with the works. 
And one thing that I really loved from this specific exhibit was his composite Polaroid portraits, which Mm -hmm. were all made in the 1980s. Yes, I loved those too. I think my favorite one was of his mother. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me when you really think about it, the entire image is made up of smaller Polaroids that each represent like one part of the image. So how long it must have taken him to get it perfectly lined up. I know. Is crazy. (laughs) It's crazy. I told Paige this morning I wanted to try doing it and she laughed at me (laughs) (laughs) I just think there's so much skill behind it no I know but I think it would be cool we can try (laughs) okay um yeah I also loved an etching called artisan model model and it's one of his earliest pieces and it shows him sitting across the table from Picasso and he's naked so he's the model And then Picasso is just like kind of drawing him. And the reason why it is Picasso is because he loved Picasso and he was one of his biggest sources of inspiration. But what I also found super interesting behind the etching is that the exhibition talks a little bit about how he got into etching because it was the only materials he didn't have to pay for at university. So if he wanted to paint, like he would have had to buy his own paint or like same for pastels or like anything like that. So he got into etching purely because he didn't find money or he didn't have money, which I find very comical. And yeah, I I just thought it was a great show all around. I just love the opportunity to see an artist who I love so much, but work that I am not as familiar Mm -hmm. with and like earlier works because you can see how his style evolved so clearly. Yes. And I also like that it was not just like his swimming pools that everyone knows about, but it was like more personal things, like his four favorite sitters. Yes. And also to close out the episode, we want to introduce a new series where we're going to highlight a restaurant and we're doing this because a lot of our listeners really love the Carbone episode. <laughs> so this week we're dedicating the episode to Oxomoco in Brooklyn. Oxomoco is a Mexican restaurant in Greenpoint. Mm-hmm. So we took a little bit of a journey. Yes. 40-minute <laughs> <40 laughs> drive. <laughs> but the outdoor seating was actually very nice. Mm-hmm. We were sitting in the street, but Unlike Manhattan, I did not feel like I was about to be run over by a car. (laughs) Yeah, it was not chaotic and the food was great. The service was impeccable. We had lots of things. We had tacos. We Mm -hmm. had a Caesar salad that was actually amazing. I think my favorite thing was the quesadilla. Yeah, Paige loved the quesadilla. Um, I love the bee tacos we had and I love the flank steak tacos and the chocolate cake everything was just great everything was great we highly recommend we are going to be adding it yes to our list and I as a Mexican person can attest to the, <laughs> the fact that it was very authentic they had like very authentic flavors and dishes on the menu yes um so yeah thank you for tuning in all of not all of them but a lot of the works we talked about um, on this episode are on our Instagram so follow us at curated chatter if you don't already follow us And please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Yes. And we look forward to this Thursday's episode, which will be solely very news heavy. Yes. And we're so excited for that. Thank you. Bye. Bye.